daylight savings day. Oh my goodness. You know what? I find no healing for my soul until the Lord, what is it? The Lord speaks to me until I hear the voice of my Lord. You wrote that song. That's beautiful. Um, I feel like you wrote that song for today. You didn't realize it until, you, until today. So thank you very much. Oh my, uh, how you doing, Highlands? You all right? Yeah, that's it. You know, we wake up a little bit, right? And, and we've, got this, we've got this healing going on uh, as Hillary and Kate are singing about. Um, and today is really about healing. The scripture that we're looking at, you wouldn't think it. But uh, this whole series is about healing, actually. The Reclaim series, like Ash Wednesday, when each person brought up a piece of wood and represented their brokenness and brought it up there and nailed it. Each one of those pieces of wood represents another person that came to our first uh, as Bob, as Bob calls it, the lentil service. So I like that better than our Ash Wednesday service. Um, might, might, we might have a different communion too. So, um, but you know, uh, and that uh, on our first Sunday last week of the Reclaim series, uh, they keep putting this box away because I think they think it's ugly. But this is uh, this is the box that I keep in my garage of all of the. Uh, memories, all of the little things that I've collected along the way, like yearbooks and, you know, trophies and whatever stuff. And so last week I took it out here and I, I was explaining that, you know, God, God, the purpose of this is to find our stories in Jesus. And so if we're going to do that, we're going to need to all get those boxes out of our garage and we're going to need to break them open and dump them out. And there was a big mess last week. But you know, life, it starts with that mess and, and that healing and it feels, I love this quote from David Brooks about healing. He says, to be healed is to be broken open. And the proper course is outward. You know, that's what we're doing in this series is that we are breaking open the story of our lives. We are digging deep into this story that God's, God has written with our life. And we are discovering that God's been there the whole entire time, has been with us. You know, there's some people here that may say, you know, I, I don't really see the connection of my story. I, I feel like there's a lot of random events. Have you ever felt like that? Like something, you're going one direction and then it feels like there's like a complete turn the other direction. You say, there's just absolutely no, no coherence within this narrative. My, um, incidentally, my, my aunt named Sheena, I love my aunt named Sheena. Sheena. She's English. And when I went to her house, she was describing a neighbor of hers that was uh, getting up there in years. So she was starting to forget things a little bit early onset dementia, as they say. And so that what she, instead of saying that, that's what Americans say, what she says is she says, I think she's losing the plot a little bit. And I, I really loved that, that idea of losing the plot. Like, you know, you're reading a book. I think I missed a few pages. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to miss some pages of the scripture here. Because that's why we're doing this series. We're focusing in on the, on the stories that just were missed. You know, like so many times we don't preach them throughout the year because they're part of that last, you know, 24 hours of Jesus' life and then his burial, crucifixion and burial before his resurrection on Easter Sunday. So how cool that we're starting out with this just raw, stripped bare, reclaimed series. And so what I would say is if you are looking at your story and you feel like your life is unconnected, disconnected, doesn't make sense, then I would say this. You've probably not, uh, maybe you've not lived long enough. That may be true. Maybe you need to be more patient and, and, and trust that God is going to reveal to you over time the way in which your life suddenly is, does start to make sense. Or, or for a lot of this, I think that we just need to do the hard work. 
that we really just need to do the hard work of digging down. And I love this quote from a guy. Uh, this, this guy's name is Donald Miller. He's a great writer, but this is what he says. He says, people love to have lived a great story, don't they? But few people like the work it takes to make it happen. That's so true with Jesus's life. You know, when Jesus met those first fishermen on the shores and called them to be his disciples, what did he say? He said, follow me, just follow me, that's it. Oh, that sounds so simple. They probably thought, oh, I'll just follow you, no problem. But you know what we're gonna find is that not one of those people was able to actually fulfill that. They couldn't follow him. They really just couldn't do it. Because Jesus's story was hard work. It was really hard work and it was painful and it was tough and it was uncomfortable and it wasn't the kind of story that, that, that anyone would want. So let's jump into the scripture. It takes place after Jesus had prayed with the disciples on the Garden of Gethsemane, which happened after this feast that he had of communion with his disciples. And, and so when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he comes back to his disciples who had fallen asleep the third time and he says, enough, my betrayer is at hand. And so here's where the scripture starts. By the way, Mark starts every sentence with the word immediately. Isn't that great? Immediately. So he said, immediately, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. Now, that's not usually a good sign when Judas arrives. And with him, there was a crowd with swords and clubs. From the chief priests, they came from the chief priests. They were made up of the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer, who is another name for Judas, the, the betrayer had given them a sign because they didn't know which one was Jesus. Had given them a sign saying, the one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. So when Judas came, he went up to Jesus right away and he said, Rabbi! And then he kissed him. Then they laid hands on Jesus and arrested Jesus. But one of those who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting his ear off completely. Then Jesus said to them, whoa, 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 hold on. Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day, I was with you. I was with you, remember, in the temple, teaching. And you didn't, didn't arrest me then. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him, deserted Jesus. Every single one of them deserted Jesus and fled. And a certain young man was following him wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. I couldn't make this up if I tried. How many people just don't remember reading that in scripture before? Anyone? Come on, be honest. It's all right. There's a, there's a lot of hands going like this. They're not like, the, I'm not going to put it, put it up. Uh, so, yeah, it's not something you want to visualize, really. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's raw, it's gritty, there's an ear that's cut off, there's a betrayer, there's nothing really that beautiful about this scene. And then, if you close your eyes sometimes, I don't know if you do this with stories from the past or, you know, just your life, you look back on that moment, even though you maybe weren't there, and you just close your eyes, you can, you can imagine it happening. And, and it's as though you are transported to that moment, and, and, and that's when the story comes alive to you. It's like it comes back to life, and it's real. It becomes real. You know, I actually, uh, 
I actually think that's probably why we don't oftentimes open the boxes that are tucked away in the garage with all of the memories. Because they just bring too many memories back, right? Things become a little too real. We, we put them in the garage for a reason. I love this guy. Now, there was this guy named John Brown, and he wrote the biography, or uh, not this guy, the other guy. He wrote a biography of St. Augustine, who was one of the early church histories, historians. It's a different quote. I think you'll find it next. So he wrote a biography of one of the early church historians called Augustine. And he spent all this time writing this bio- biography of Augustine. And this is, this is what he said as he was meditating on the scripture. He said, is it on there? It's a quote from Brown, not Donald Miller. Oh, th- oh, I just put the wrong name at the bottom. Sorry. It's not Donald Miller. It's John Brown. And they put the right quote three times. So this is, this is let me, uh, let me just uh, put this in here to remind me of this moment so that someday I can... There you go. Can I just get a a huge, the biggest round of applause you've ever done for our tech team? Because they're so awesome. You guys are so awesome. (laughs) All right. Okay, so let's go for it. The past can come very close. (laughs) In fact, too close. Its powerful and complex emotions have only recently passed away, and we can still feel their contours through the thin layer of the new feeling that has grown over them. You see, the past can come way too close for comfort sometimes, and it can just be so hard to deal with that we would rather not deal with it. So we tuck it away, and we push it away to a different place. Now, this happened the other day when I was um, going through this box, and I, uh, I, I've, I started to discover things that had happened in my life that I had completely forgotten had happened. And, um, and one of them was a story that I had even forgotten had happened for 15 years ago, or 20 years ago, that, um, that I just had never really talked about. It's a big, like, a big, kind of a weird thing that happened in my life. And so I'm going to share it with you today for the, for the first time. Uh, since then. So this is the story. When I went to college, there was this, um, the, the administration of the college decided that it would be a really good idea to build a facility just for the purposes of parties, okay? And so they built this place, and it was about twice the size of this. It didn't look a lot different. And they call, and all the students, this is not what the administration called it. The students called it the party barn. And every Friday and every Saturday, there were huge parties at the party barn. There were, you know, there were things that shouldn't have gone on there, and there were lots of great things like dancing and having fun and meeting with friends, and, and, and it, was, it was a pretty fun place to be. And so one day, uh, there was a rule. There was a fast rule across campus that no parties could take place during finals week. And so um, the rule was, if, even if a fraternity had a party during finals week, that the fraternity could get shut down forever. Like that was, it was a hard and fast rule. And I always thought, I said to my friends, I was like, if there's a time that you need to go to a party, it's in the middle of finals week when, you're, when you just need to let out some stress. And so uh, one day during finals week, of course, I'm walking by the party barn, and I, I don't know why, but I went up to just test the door to see if it was open. And it was open. And so I decided to just, I mean, it was n- news that I just thought I would share with one friend. And so I called him and said, hey, this is the craziest thing. The door to the party barn is wide open. Everything's open. 
And they said, oh, that's nice. So he told a friend, and they 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 told a friend. And we were just hanging out, 12 of us, then 20, then 30. Okay, it grew to about 300 people inside of the space. And this party, it wasn't planned or anything. It just went, and a kid brought down a big stereo system and turned it on the loudest, just the loudest music. And people were dancing, and it went until about 2 o'clock in the morning, I think. And it was full of students. And then, um, I, I don't know where campus safety was. I figured they just probably thought they took a week vacation because no one was going to throw parties, right? Uh, so then, one of the campus safety officers opened the doors and walked inside. Can you imagine what happened next? What do you think happened? What? They scattered. I heard someone say they, they ran. Everybody ran. And so as, as they're running away, I'm about to run away. And I turn around and I see the guy who brought the stereo. He's a really nice guy. And he brought his good stereo. And I thought, I'll go help you with the speaker. Well, it only took about 30 seconds for the whole entire room to, to empty of people. And so by the time I turned away around with the speaker, it was me. And it was that guy and the campus safety officers. <laughs> you know, uh, there are times when you wish you weren't associated with what was going on aren't there? There are. And you know how, how it happened in the Garden of Gethsemane is that Jesus was surrounded with all these disciples, and, and they said, we'll never you abandon you, Jesus. And then the second that the uh, administration shows up, right, in the Garden of Gethsemane, done, everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. It says that they all fled. They all ran away from him. But you know who didn't run away? This is one of those easy answers. Yes, Jesus. Jesus is the one who stood there and said, you know what? I will not disassociate myself from the things that have been going on. I will not separate my story from the story of all the stuff that has been happening over the past weeks and months and years of my life. Jesus said, I, I will acknowledge that I have broken every mundane and arbitrary and senseless rule that you could imagine. Now, the rules that Jesus broke were not the mundane rules created by a college administration. They were the mundane rules and, and arbitrary and actually evil rules created by the powers that be that had decided that you should never heal a person on a, on a, on a day of worship. You shouldn't just heal people because it's work. They should just be re we should recognize the Sabbath like God said. Just relax on the Sabbath. And if someone's in pain, just let them be in pain for a day and you can help them the next day. The kind of brokenness that Jesus was surrounded by that he walked toward was those people who'd been ostracized from society and told, you know what, you're a tax collector. You've cheated people. You've cheated your neighbor. You've taken money from widows and orphans. You've been all about yourself and robbing people your whole life. And Jesus said, I'm going to go party with that guy. I'm going to sit at the table and I'm going to go to his party tonight. And then Jesus would go up to people who were ritually unclean, people who had sicknesses, skin diseases, people who were insane living in the caves, and he would go and he would be with them and he would be beside them and walk with them in their life. See, Jesus didn't run away from brokenness. He walked toward brokenness. In fact, the very reason that there's so many broken people, everyone from, the, from Judas to the weird kid that didn't wear underwear to the scribes and the chief priests and everyone, you know what? Sorry, that was a little weird, wasn't it? So, but Jesus surrounded himself with, with, with these people who all ran away. They, would, they didn't stick with him. They weren't with him through it, through it all. And I think there's encouragement for us. And I also think there's a challenge. 
Our lives are part of a larger story. And this Reclaim series is all about healing. But you know, we are going to have to go down deep into the box to discover one or two of those stories. And I'd encourage you to do that this week. Now that you've gone through the story of your life a little bit, for those of you that pulled the box down off the shelf, this week is going to be about taking one little piece of the story and seeing if you can figure out what the narrative that God is, is, is weaving together with your life. You know, because it's not happenstance. It's not arbitrary. They're not unconnected events. See, your story when you look deep into it, you will find Jesus. Just like he said to those disciples. I love the, what he said in the scripture. He said, day by day, I was with you in the temple. I was with you. And they didn't want to remember that story, right? They didn't want to remember that they were the guys that were high-fiving him after a message in the temple. That they were the guys that had their arm around Jesus only a few days earlier. They wanted to shove that past away and not remember it. But Jesus said, I was with you. And you know what he's saying to us too? He's saying that he's with us throughout all of it. As we look back across our stories, we too will see that Jesus was with us. And then he also says this thing. He says, but the scriptures, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. Do you know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, you think you're so sneaky arresting me in the garden at night so that nobody sees. He's like, do you really think that you can arrest me? Do you really think that this is your plan? This is not your plan. This is God's plan working its way. And when he said, let the scriptures be fulfilled, he was referring to things that had been said hundreds of years earlier about what was happening right then. See, Jesus was saying, this is what God had planned for the world. And so when we discover that the life that we are creating is not about our plan, but it's about God's plan, there's freedom, right? So this last week, I had the opportunity to lead a a staff retreat. Well, it was only for a few of the staff members, for Katie and Ben and Kevin. And we went to a house um, in Cambria that a member of the congregation let us use. So it was unbelievable. We, we were just felt so blessed. And I remember in the staff retreat, I, I turned to Katie and Ben and Ke- Kevin. And um, was, that's funny, I turned to them because there was no one else there. But anyway, um, <laughs> something. So... So, so I, I said to them, you know, this, this retreat is not what I planned at all. I had this agenda of all the things that would happen, and I had these outcomes that I thought would happen. And uh, this was after the day and the, uh, the evening, and then spending time playing games together, and then the morning. And I said, you know, I can see that, that the best thing that's happening right now is that we, together we have, we have broken open, and so much healing has taken place, that our stories have been broken open before each other that we have been honest, our hearts have been broken open. We are starting to see who we really are, becoming friends and walking through life together. And so one of the best things that we did that was not on the agenda is that we went down to the, uh, the ocean in Cambria and we walked along the water. And, and along, uh, while we were walking, everybody picked up a little different piece of driftwood. And I found this one. And I don't really know why I picked it. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's smooth. And, and uh, there were times when I thought, you know what, I'm just going to set this down because, you know, what am I going to do with this? Do I really need another piece of something for my box someday? <laughs> and so I, so I got it. And then I, as I was about to head back up the hill, I, I, I almost set it down thinking, you know what, um, 
it's a little heavy. I don't know if I want to walk all the way up the hell, hill with this. <laughs> I, I need a little more strength in my life. But I think the real reason that I was ready to discard it is because it didn't have meaning to me. That I couldn't make it out. It didn't have shape. I, I, it wasn't yet a bookshelf or a statue. It hadn't become something that I'd pl- like used as a, I don't know, a cricket bat. <laughs> what, <laughs> it's not big enough for that. But, you know, and maybe... Maybe the purpose of it was for me to just have it here and for it to be an ongoing reminder of our amazing start to this season of ministry. You know, there are disconnected pieces in our life and stories that we feel are disconnected and we need to allow Jesus to reclaim them and to shape them and so that we can see the meaning and the way that Jesus brings all things together. So on the last day, last evening of his life, the last meal that Jesus ate before he was arrested and betrayed, he met with his disciples at the table. And it was at Passover, which is Passover is the combination. I always say it's like 4th of July, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter all put into one. Wouldn't that be a big festival? Because it was the big national holiday, like 4th of July. It was the big uh, family day, eating around the table like Thanksgiving. And it was the big day of uh, religious holiday, like Easter and Christmas. And so he met around the table with all of these broken people. And he actually told me, he said, you guys are going to betray me. You are going to walk away from me. You're going to desert me later. And you know what they said? No, nah, we're not going to do that. Jesus will be the, we'll follow you all the way. But he knew who they were. He knew their brokenness. All of these people, tax collector, fishermen, the prostitutes were there. Everybody was there around the table. And in the middle of dinner, Jesus said this incredible thing. He lifted up the bread and he said, this bread is my body. And then he said, this is my body broken open for you. Remember how he said the path to healing is sometimes about being broken open? Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. Then after the meal, Jesus took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood poured out for the remission of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. This is my life poured into your life so that you could receive it and so that you could live more fully. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. And each time he said, do this in what? Remembrance. You see how important that word remembrance is? And it's not just that the veil, the thin veil that separates us from that moment of the Last Supper at this moment becomes thin and we can actually make out the contours of that love of Jesus. But it's Jesus' presence here and that thin veil between us and the, the kingdom of heaven that is already, already at work here in our midst. About that distance between us and the future that God promises for us. This is not our plan It's God's plan, and our job is just to see it. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, would you bless this bread and this cup as we receive it? May we also receive the miracle of your love in our life. Thank you, Jesus, for the ways which you have spoken into our hearts. Thank you for the ways you have broken our hearts open, and you've done it in order to heal us. And for that, we praise you. And we pray saying the prayer that you taught your disciples, saying, Our Father... 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, 